Father, we thank you, Lord, and, and Father, we just pause this time and we thank you for the men, brave men and women who gave their lives, uh, Lord, to serve our country, Lord, that we would have this freedom, the freedom to be able to serve you and to love you and to worship. And so we thank you for those who gave freely, that we might live freely here in, uh, in our nation, Father, Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, this morning that you would speak to our hearts. I, I trust that our hearts have been, Lord, ready to receive your word. Lord, that the soil of our hearts are just ready, ready to hear what you have to say to us today. And so, Father, Lord, I, I pray that uh, we would have attentive ears, open hearts, open eyes, receive your word. Lord, I decrease that you would increase I am to myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. Everything that I say and every thought that enters my mind will be of you, not of me. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen, amen. We're glad you're here. And for those online as well, we're glad you're online with us here live on live stream. So um, praise God. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your Bibles or your Bible, uh, Bible app on your phone, uh, turn to 1 John uh, chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. Verses 13 through 21 is today's text. We're going to finish all of chapter 4. Again, 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 21. We're now in part 12 of our series, Authentic. Say authentic. And before we dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which was verses 7 through 12. I give you three points to refresh your memory. The first point of last week's text was the exhortation to love. Say that. The exhortation to love, and that's in verses 7 through 8. And John gives a tender exhortation to all believers to love one another, to love one another with a, a supernatural, say supernatural, with a supernatural love, not a natural love, but a supernatural love that can only be found in God. And there's no love in the true sense, but that which finds its source in the living God. And then John says, everyone who loves, okay, in other words, loves the way that God has called us to love one another, has been born of God. Say, be born of God. And knows God. In other words, it stands as a genuine testimony of our true conversion. And then in verse 8, John makes it very clear that just as there is a positive affirmation of the new birth through love, there is a negative affirmation of a lack of conversion through the absence of love. The second point was the manifestation for love. Say that. The manifestation, excuse me, for love, verses 9 through 10. It's found there, and God showed his love by sending his one and only son to die for us, right? And there's no greater manifestation of love than this. We didn't start loving God. As John says, he loved us, what? First. The third point was the demonstration for love. Say that. The demonstration for love, verses 11 through 12. And John's saying that we owe it to each other uh, to keep on loving one another like God loves us. Amen? And the only way that mankind can, in a sense, see God is through our love for one another. Now, when we love one another, they see that we belong to God and they will see the nature of God and the attribute of God's love in our lives. This now brings us to today's text, the title of my message today is Perfect Love. Say that. And in today's text, John continues on the theme of love 
once again. Okay, he offers this challenge. He offers this challenge in, I would say, encouragement to love one another. Now, now perhaps some of you are thinking, okay, perhaps. All right, already, John, I, I get the message. Uh, we are to love one another, so can we please move on to something else? Come on, John, you said this enough times. Well, John's not done yet on the subject and on the theme of love. In fact, as we go through the text, we will notice that John uses the word perfect. Uh, it might even be complete, but perfect to describe the love he talks so much about. Now, now depending on what Bible translation you're using, John uses three different forms of the word translated perfect, uh, perfected, and perfection. But all three come from the same Greek root word, Telio, say that. And I've given this to you before. Telio, which means to bring to an end or uh, to bring to completion or full development. I love that. Full development, uh, complete or mature. And, and he used this word. You might remember this back in verse 12. Back in verse 12, Telio. So as we go through the text, let's, let's, let's take note of some of the things that John teaches us about this perfect, right, perfect, uh, telio, complete, maturing, developing love. Three points, if you're ready, say, say yes. Number one is this. I'm, I'm going to kind of be creative here. Number one is, is this, the stain, the stain of, of perfect love. Say that. The stain of, of perfect love. Write that down, and then we're going to look at verse 13. And John says this, we, say we, speaking of, of, of believers. We, speaking of authentic, true believers. We know, and I want to stop there, say, we know. Now, now, now say it with confidence. Say, we know. That means we have a, a confident assurance, a settled state of mind. We're not on the fence with this, okay? We're not on the fence with this. In other words, we know that we know that we know. Amen? We know that we live in Him, speaking of God, and He, God, in us. The New American Standard Bible renders it like this. By this we know that we remain, say remain, in Him and He in us. Now notice the word that John uses to describe the stain, perfect love. In the NIV, as I just read to you, it's live. And the New American Standard Bible is remain. In other translations, it's abide and dwell. Say live. Say remain. Say abide. Say dwell. So there's a mutual living, a mutual remaining, abiding, dwelling. You guys with me now? We, in other words, we dwell or abide in God, and He dwells and abides in us. This is a mutual abiding, reciprocal abiding. So follow me here. There's a personal, vital, dynamic, living relationship with God and God with us. Right? We abide, we remain in Him, and He abides and remains in us. It's a living, vital, I love this, a living, vital union and communion with God and He with us. There's life and there's love in this. Got it? And if you're getting this, say amen. So, so how do we know, how do we as believers know that we live in God and that he lives in us? Well, let's read on. Because he, speaking of God the Father, has given us of his what? Say it. Spirit. 
you, you might remember what John said back in chapter 3, verse 24, where he says, and this is how we know, is that we're to get know that he, God, lives in us. This is how. We know by the Spirit he gave us. You guys got it? We experience the love of God through his Spirit. Say, through his Spirit. Listen, God the Father, in, in his great, amazing, awesome love, has given every true believer, true believer, the Holy Spirit to live inside of them, of us. Amen? And you see, the verb has given is in the perfect tense. And, and what this means is that the Holy Spirit was given to us the moment we believed, right? And continues, say continues, to be in us at the present and not just at, as, at the present, but also into the future. So this begs the question, how can we tell if the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, dwells, abides, remains, lives in us? I mean, what are, what, what are, what are the results of the Holy Spirit's influence, say influence, of his ministry, say ministry, in our lives? Don't try to write this down. I'm going to go fast here, okay? I'll tell you how. First of all, we will begin to develop the character of Jesus in our lives. Amen? In other words, we will long to be more like Jesus. If the Spirit of God, His Holy Spirit, is living inside of you, we will begin to develop the character of Christ in our lives. We will walk and live as He walked and as He lived. Amen? Another way we can tell that the Spirit of God dwells in us is we will have new power to serve God. New power to serve God. Not in our own strength, not in our own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Another way is we will have a desire to live for God's glory, His glory, not my glory, not your glory, and serve Him and serve others. Amen? If the Spirit of God, listen church, if the Spirit of God is dwelling inside of you, you will have a desire to live for God. Live for Him. Amen? for his glory, and serve him, and serve others. Amen? In other words, you can't help but want to serve him and serve others. Another way we can tell is we will be delivered from fear, and we're going to get into that later on, and given a new ability to discern. Discern truth from error. Amen? Also, we will also know a new joy, a new strength, a profound peace, and a deep assurance that we are truly a child of God. And that's, that's John's, one of John's themes here. Actually, the main theme is to know that you know that you know that you are a child of God. Amen? Also, we will have an increasing, get this now, church, an increasing awareness of our sin. You guys with me? We will be convicted of the depth of our sin and, and not justify it or excuse it, but recognize it and repent of it. Amen? Because those who do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in their lives will constantly seek to justify their sin and excuse it. Another way we can tell is we will hunger for God's Word. Hunger for God's Word and live a life of obedience to His Word. Right? Hunger for His Word because the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Amen. How do I know that God's Spirit is saving me? I have a hunger for this. A hunger for this. A passion for this. Amen. And the fact that the, the Spirit of God guides me to all truth 
tells us, right, men, that therefore we are able, because he lives in us, to distinguish truth from error. Amen? Another way, how? But we will have a compassion for the lost, yes, and a desire and power to share the gospel. The gospel. We will hurt for the lost and share the gospel. Another way we can tell, we will see evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in my life and in your life. And we need to ask ourselves, churches now, we need to ask ourselves, is there evidence? Is there evidence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in my life? Ask ourselves that. Another way we can tell if the Spirit of God is dwelling within us, is we will love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We will. Amen. We will see love, supernatural love, generated in our lives for other believers. So, so let's get right to the lesson. You ready for the lesson? The Holy Spirit is doing an inside job in our lives. Come on, say amen. The Holy Spirit is doing an inside job in our lives. In other words, he's given us guidance, conviction, gives us strength, discernment, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Giving us the assurance, I love to say assurance, of our salvation. And we can know and have confidence and, and have assurance that God dwells, that God abides, that God remains in us through his spirit. Amen? That's how. That's how. Verse 14, stay with me now. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his said, Son to be the what? Savior of the world. So here in this verse, the we say we, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. The we here in this verse, right, we, uh, those who we who give testimony and testify, listen now, are those who saw Jesus originally the eyewitness to his presence. So this is speaking of the apostles. It's the apostles. They knew the Father sent the Son as Savior of the world. Now remember what John said back in chapter 1 of 1 John, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. You guys remember this? That which was from the beginning, which we, John and the other apostles, have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. The life appeared, say life appeared, Speaking of Jesus, God in the flesh, 100% human, his humanity, 100% divine, his deity, we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Speaking of Jesus, amen. For three years, three years, the apostles were eyewitnesses to the life of Christ. So let's look at the verse again. And we have seen, apostles, and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Say Savior. Say it louder. Say Savior. Savior. Okay. God sent his Son, right? God sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Not to be a carpenter, even though he was. Not to be an example, though he was. Not to be an amazing teacher, though he was. He was sent. This is now sent first and foremost, to be the Savior of the world. The word Savior, say Savior, means rescuer or deliverer. Jesus came, listen now, to rescue, to deliver us from 
eternal damnation. That's why he came. That's why he came. See, that's why he came. I want to point out something else as well. The Savior of the world. Say the. That's a definite article. Okay? The in front of Savior, meaning he is the only Savior of the world. Not a Savior. Not some Savior. Not one of many Saviors. No. He is the only Savior of the world. John 14, 6. We all know this, right, friends? Jesus is the definite article, the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Okay? Let's look at, look, look at the text again. To be the Savior of the world. Say, of the world. This doesn't mean, and we've covered this before, this doesn't mean that Jesus saves the entire world. Okay? All right? Okay? It means if anyone is to be saved in this world, they are to be saved by the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and you heard me say this. Jesus is a Savior for the whole world. He is. But actually only saves those who place their faith and their trust in him. Right? Amen? A person must experience faith in Jesus if they're ever to be saved. Let me, let me say it this way. And I said this before in the series. The work of Jesus on the cross is sufficient in value to save all the world, but only efficient to save those who put their trust in him. So you guys ready for the lesson? Here, no one can be saved, no one, until they know they need a Savior. No one can be saved until they know they need a Savior. And you know what, friends? No one needs a Savior until they know that they're a sinner. Right? And friends, everyone is a sinner who needs a Savior. And the greatest need that every single human being has is to be saved. That's it, the greatest need. And there's only one who can save, and that is the one who God sent to be the Savior, right, of the world, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Now listen, if you hear the true gospel, say true, gospel, Okay, you hear the true diagnosis of your soul. If you hear that, that is the depravity of your soul. You'll come to understand there's only one answer, one remedy, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away your sins and to save you from eternal damnation. Amen? And what John's point here is, I believe, friends, is the true believer accepts Jesus for who he is rather than trying to make him into what they would like him to be. He's a savior of the world. Okay? The true believer understands that Jesus is their only hope of eternal life. And this is the true believer's assurance, assurance of abiding, of abiding in God, staying in God, remaining in God. Now, before we move on to the next verse, I want us to notice that in the previous verse, and the verse I just read to you, okay, gives a reference to the Trinity. Because he has given us of his spirit, say spirit, the Father, say the Father, has sent his what? There you go. Trinity. You guys got it? There it is. Just want to point that out, okay? Verse 15. If anyone acknowledges slash confesses, verse 15, and we know that the word confess means what? It means to be in agreement with. Right? Agreement with. To, to say the same as. So it's like this. If anyone confesses, 
says the same as what God has said about his own son. And what is that? Here we go. That Jesus is the son of God. God lives in him, right? And he in God. Amen? We must agree with God. Listen now, church. Agree with God about who Jesus is. And we find out, <laughs> love this, what God says about his son, Jesus Christ, in his word. And that's why it's very important that you and I study the word of God. Amen? And John's point here is this, hey, is that if we confess the apostolic testimony that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, fully and truly and eternally divine, who saves us from our sins, that confession, that confession is evidence, say evidence, that God abides in us and we abide in God. So here's a lesson. Ready? Ready? The real Christian confesses faith in the real Christ. The real Christian confesses, confesses, right? Confesses faith in the real Christ. Now, and I want to tell you this, friends, and listen to me, okay? Please, get this. There is no such thing as a private faith in Christ. You guys with me? A personal faith? Yes. But not a private faith in Christ. Follow me. True faith in Christ, say that, true is a public faith. A public faith. It's a spoken faith. You see, what is deep and what abides in the heart will come out of the mouth. Let me put it this way. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. You guys got it? Comes up in the bucket. So, so if Jesus is in the heart, then Jesus comes out of the mouth. You guys with me? That being said, question. Do you op openly, excuse me, openly and publicly confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and Savior of your life? Let me ask you this. When you're around and among non-believers, your friends, non-believers, do you speak up for Jesus? Do you testify to the fact that he is your Savior and you belong to him? If you do, that's one of the distinguishing marks of saving faith, and that God abides in you, and you abide in him. Amen? Verse 16, and so we, say we, that's all believers, all believers, no, say no, is that what you can say no, and rely on the love God has for us. So in context, context is everything, right? In context, it's God sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's the love that God has for us. Guys, got it? In context. Then he says this, God is love. Say, God is love. Not love is God, but God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in who? God. Amen. God. And God in him. The Christian, what John's saying here, the Christian who has this kind of relationship with God will be virtually immersed, immersed in God's love. Say God's love. In other words, it I love this. It becomes their environment. Amen? It becomes their dwelling. The, it becomes their place of, of abiding, okay? That's the stain of perfect love. Someone who immersed, abiding, staying in this love. You're, if you're saved, come on, if you're saved, say, say amen. You see, as true Christians, if we're true believers, okay, cr true Christians, 
will manifest the nature, we will manifest the nature of our Heavenly Father just as physical children manifest the nature of their own parents. You guys got it? If we're in God, if, if we are in God and God in us, then God's love will be a characteristic of our lives. Right? You see the nature of God in our lives. We will forgive and forget. Okay? We will serve and sacrifice. We will edify and build up. This is an indication. I would say this, an authentication. Say authentication of who our Father is and which family you and I belong to. Amen? Okay, that we know, say that we know, that we know that we belong to God and we're in the family of God. Amen? So that's the stain of perfect love, that, that we're remaining, abiding, dwelling, growing, and we'll see that later, growing, right? Maturing in God's love. Number two is the security of perfect love, the security of perfect love. And that's one of John's themes here, right, is to make sure the assurance that we're saved. And here, John, what he does, he offers an interesting, interesting aspect of love. Look at verse 17 with me. In this way, what way? Well, we got to go back to the end of the previous verse. Here's a way. Whoever lives in love lives in who? God and God in him. Right? It's a mutual abiding between God and a believer. It's a supernatural union and communion that the believer has with God through Christ. So what's the result of this? Well, let's read on. Love is made complete, perfect, or perfected. It's perfected, or it's growing among us. Now, this is not talking about, follow me here, not talking about God's love for us being perfected. You guys with me? His love is perfect. His love is perfect, right? It's always been perfect. God doesn't have to perfect his love. God's love is perfect. Say perfect. This is talking about our love for God is being made perfect. Our love for God is being made complete. It's brought to maturity. It's like a fruit that's, that begins to, to get ripe. In, in, our, in our Christian walk, there is a fuller, what's he saying? This There's a fuller, deeper, developing, I love that, say developing reality of our love for God. Now, now notice what a growing love for God produces. Let's, let's continue to read the text. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world we are like him. So John, what he's doing, I love this, he's taking us into the future when we will stand before God. Now if you're safe, say amen. There is a way, listen believers, love this, there is a way to approach the day, the day of judgment. So John's saying there is a way to approach the day of judgment. Our growing, maturing love for God allows us to look toward the day of judgment with fearless assurance, amen, boldness, and confidence. Okay, That's not arrogance or pride, but rather faith and assurance. Amen? You see, this is why as believers we don't need to be afraid at the approach of death. You guys got it? We're not going to approach the judgment seat of God with our finger, fingers crossed, wondering if we're going to make it. No. No. Rather, we approach the judgment seat of God with confidence. Come on, right? Boldness, assurance. If you got it, say got it. Let's go back to the text. 
so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Here we go. Because in this world, say this world, right now, this world, us right now in the world, we are like him. The him there in, that, in the, this verse here is referring to Jesus. Say Jesus. Follow me. As God views us, I love this, he sees us as he sees his son. Amen? We have not yet made it to heaven, right? We're here on earth, right? But we are viewed as righteous as Christ, our Lord Jesus, right? Our Lord is righteous. Positionally, say positionally, okay? We are righteous now on earth as he is. Amen? As God sees us, he sees us as righteous. If you're saved, say amen. So right now, as true, authentic believers in Jesus Christ who loves God, we have full acceptance with God as the same acceptance that Jesus Christ has with God the Father. Follow me. That we too are the object of the Father's love just as a son is the object of the Father's love. And this is why now, say now, we have confidence as we anticipate the day of judgment. Got it? As we approach that day, we will one day, we approach it with confidence, assurance, boldness, not in ourselves, but in Christ. Amen? So you guys ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. For there is love. Excuse me. No, here's the lesson. God doesn't want us afraid of judgment day. God doesn't want us afraid of judgment day. Okay? He doesn't want us living in torment. You guys with me? He doesn't want you and I living in fear. Unless, unless we have never come to, him, to know him. But if we know him, say, if I know him, say, say, I know him, then he wants us to know his love. He wants us to know his love, assurance, boldness, right? Not fear of the judgment. Now, if you're safe, say amen. There's no fear of perishing, friends, right? If you're a believer, there should be no fear of perishing. There's no fear. There's no dread in our hearts when that time comes, which brings us right to the next verse. It flows like this, verse 18. There is no fear in what? Love. Now, in context, it means no fear in our relationship with God. No fear concerning the day of judgment. There's no fear, no dread of God in loving God. Let me put it this way. If we love the judge, there's no fear of the judge. Amen? If we love the judge, there's no fear of the judge. Then he says this. Let's read on. But perfect love, say perfect love, drives out fear. Because fear has to do with what? Punishment. This perfect love, listen now, church, does not mean that a Christian can love perfectly because we're not perfect. You guys got it? Rather, love brought to completion, love brought to maturity in one's experience, what he's saying, can cast out the fear of eternal punishment. Cast out the fear of eternal destruction. Got it? Now, I want to... Let's read on here because this is important. John says this, The one who fears, say the one who fears, is not made perfect in love. Right? This should bring conviction. Yeah? But it bears truth. It bears truth. Where fear exists, John's saying, love is lacking. Where fear exists, love is is lacking. If our relationship with God is marked by this tormenting fear, it shows that we have not been made perfect. That is, in other words, we have not been made perfect, complete, mature, or developing in His love the way we should. 
You guys with me? In other words, what John's saying, if you are as a believer, if you are living your life in fear, then guess what? You're not growing in the love of God. Amen? So here's a lesson. You guys ready? Where there is love, there's no fear. Okay? Where there's love, there's no fear. Because our love for God slam, slam dunks fear. It does. Amen? Our love for God displaces a dread of God's punishment. You guys know this Romans 8.1, right? This is such a wonderful verse. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation, right? For those who are in Christ Jesus. In the day of judgment, we will stand before the living God and stand with confidence because we stand, listen, because we stand and are clothed in the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Fear has no part with love. Now listen, since we will have boldness in the day of judgment, we have boldness as we face life today. In other words, friends, this is in context talking about our fear before the judgment of God, that we have no fear because we're in his love. But guess what? It could also extend the fact that we should fear nothing else on this earth because of his love. Amen? You guys got it? Say the, say the stain of perfect love. Say the security of perfect love. And I love this. Number three is a sign of perfect love. The sign of perfect love. You guys with me? Verse 19. We, speaking of true, authentic believers. We love because he what? First loved us. John's been saying this, right? Right? Our love for God is always in response to his love for us. He initiates and we respond. It would be impossible for us, us, right, uh, to love God had it not been uh, for his love for us first. And John reminds us that we love because God first loved us. Verse 20. Verse 20. And listen to what he says. If anyone says, say that, if anyone says. John uses this phrase seven times in his epistle so far. If anyone says. In other words, it's a warning against pretending. Okay? If anyone says, I love God. Yeah, I love God, man. I love God. And yet hates his brother or sister. He's a liar. He's a liar, liar, pants on. All right. Now I want to stop there. John makes it very, very clear that our claim of loving God is false if we do not also love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, if you're saved, say amen. We cannot love God and hate our fellow believers. Can't. Now, there will be times when we are angry with them, right? Perhaps irritated, annoyed, even bitter, or bothered toward them, but we cannot hate them and love God at the same time. Can't. Can't. If genuine hatred exists in my heart, in your heart, in our hearts, the love of God does not. Straight up, does not. John's saying, listen, if we can, if we can look at our brothers and sisters in Christ with all their needs and all their problems and all their circumstances and cannot love, then we're only kidding ourselves about loving God. We don't love God. We don't love God. Let's read on. For anyone who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has what? Not seen. This is a powerful argument here. 
And I love it because John, what he does, he's tightening the screws here. It's impossible to love God whom we have not seen and hate our brothers and sisters and believers, right, whom we have seen. And that if we possess, we possess love for God, then love for our fellow believers will be evident, say evident, in our lives. It will, amen, in our, in our lives. It'll be evident as well. It's impossible to love one without loving the other. Verse 21, we're almost done here. Verse 21, and he has given us this command. It's a command, not a suggestion, not an opinion, okay? Here we go. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God. Say, loves God. In other words, whoever honors God, whoever esteems God, whoever reveres God, whoever values God, whoever honors God, whoever, here we go again, adores God, must also love his brother and sister in Christ. Amen? So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Horizontal love verifies vertical love. You guys got that? Horizontal love verifies vertical love. This relationship, horizontal, is the fruit, is the proof, is the evidence of this relationship, vertical. You guys got it? Loving God, say loving God, and loving others. In other words, it's a package deal. Package deal. You can't have one without the other. You guys with me? It's a package deal. It's like the father and the son. You can't have one without the other. And if we as believers say that we love God, we must, must love each other. Is it easy? No. But when you find yourself abiding, remaining, staying in God's love, it makes it easier to love your brother or sister in Christ. Amen? It's a package deal. It's a package deal, man. Amen? Now, you've heard me say this a thousand times. You don't got to like them. You don't. But you must love them. Amen? So let's wrap this up here. You're safe. Say amen. What John is saying, and what's been saying through this whole, his whole epistle, is when the love of God is present in our lives, the evidence of his love will be visible. You can see it. Amen? And, and it should be visible. It should. If we call ourselves believers, his love should be visible in our lives. And it will be visible. Listen, listen now. It will be visible in our love, first and foremost, our love for who? God. Our love, our love for God. And if, 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 if our love for God is visible, then it will be visible, right? Our love for God and for His Son. Our love for His Son, for His work, for His Word, love for His church, love for His kingdom, love for His truth, love for His people, and love for the lost. Amen? That's the mark of the new birth. It's the mark. So, Let's wrap this up. New birth, new life. Right? New life, new, perfect, maturing, developing, growing, abiding love. New birth, new life, new 
love. Amen? And John wants us daily to, to stay connected to God so that there's that stain, perfect love. That we stay connected, abide in Him and grow that love, that we would grow in our love for God more and grow in our love for others in a godly way. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for your word.